T.D. Worthington, pastor of the Pathway Baptist Church in Goldsboro, North Carolina, welcoming you to another edition of the Pathlight Radio Program. And we're so glad to have you a part of our fellowship today. Hope you will stay tuned for the entire program for the next 25, 30 minutes or so of fellowship that we will have as we gather around the Word of God. Also got a musical selection coming your way right now in just a moment. I've got time, though, to remind you of Christian Bible College. If you're interested in continuing or perhaps uh, beginning a college-level theological study, I want to invite you to check into Christian Bible College. Christian Bible College, since 1980, at the time under the leadership of Dr. Cecil Johnson, Christian Bible College has been giving pastors and evangelists, lay people, Christian school teachers, and others the education they need and the credentials they need to do their work in the most efficient manner to the glory of God. So I want to encourage you, christianbiblecollege.org is the the website address. You'll find a lot, a lot of information there. If, uh, if you look at that, decide you want more information, give us a call. The, uh, the telephone number's on the website. We'll have someone take you uh, literally hand-by-hand, step-by-step, and answer any questions that you may have. Again, that's christianbiblecollege.org, christianbiblecollege.org. I want to talk a little bit today on the subject of Christian hedonism, and we're going to be taking a look at that uh, today, a little bit of a study on that uh, kind of interesting, interesting subject. I hope you'll stay tuned, if you will. Right now, though, I've got a musical selection coming your way. Hope you'll stay tuned for this particular song and also for the message which uh, which will follow.
Savior, Jesus Christ. Again, thank you for tuning in to this week's Pathlight radio program. Back in the mid-1980s, there was a book written about a subject of Christian hedonism. The concept was that men love pleasure, men love satisfaction, they want to avoid pain, so they will naturally seek pleasure in life. It's a natural thing for man to do. But the book said that that was good because in so doing, the Holy Spirit might lead you to find that Jesus Christ is the only source of lasting pleasure. So in other words, you uh, man loves pleasure. All right, God instilled that in all men. Men love pleasure. We look for it in a thousand different ways, but maybe that's a good thing because the Holy Spirit can use that to convince you of your need to come to Jesus Christ and obtain the greatest peace and pleasure and satisfaction you'll find anywhere. Uh, pretty much that uh, that's true. I do believe that is pretty much true. There's a couple of concepts in the book that I might would, uh, might would uh, not, uh, not accept so readily, but, but that pretty much I agree with. Man does seek pleasure. Unregenerate, lost man, he's looking after what's best for himself. But the second point of the, of the book was that even after you're saved, it's fine to keep seeking for pleasure. For in so doing, it will lead you to serve Christ, to worship Christ, to, to fellowship with Christ, who is the only source of lasting pleasure for the Christian. So before you get saved, you're seeking for pleasure, and that might lead you to Christ. After you get saved, you just keep on looking for, uh, for pleasure, and that will lead you to serve Christ. Now, to be honest, that one gives me just a little bit of a problem. The Christian is not to seek pleasure, but the glory of God. 
Our seeking is to obey God and seek the good of the kingdom. Then, of course, we will find satisfaction. We will find pleasure, not because that's what we sought after, but because we obeyed God and that was a natural consequence. So here again, I really wouldn't argue the point one way or the other because it's kind of the heart cart before the horse or the horse before the cart. But I do agree that lost men seek pleasure by default, and perhaps the Holy Spirit might use that to lead them to Christ. But to say that after you're saved, you're to continue seeking primarily pleasure, I'm not sure I would agree with that because the Scripture says, seek first the kingdom. God is seeking those who will obey him and worship him and things like that. The Scripture makes that very clear. And, of course, that is speaking to to believers. Now, once you do that, once you seek to obey God, once you seek to honor the Lord and worship him, you will, of course, find pleasure in so doing. But with that being said, let's face it, we do live in a hedonistic society. That's defined as a society where most people spend most of their time seeking their own pleasure and well-being. They may not always find the pleasure and satisfaction they're seeking, but it's always at the forefront of their minds. It's usually pictured, for by most people at least, as a bad thing because people are pleasure-seeking people. We might think of Las Vegas as being a hedonistic city where people are seeking for pleasure. In a sense, Disney World is that way. Actually, when you go on your family vacation, and when I go on my family vacation, it might be termed a bit hedonistic according to the general definition. We're seeking for pleasure. We're seeking for enjoyment. I might could even say that I'm pretty hedonistic about coming to church because I find it satisfying. I find it pleasurable. So the negative or positive nature of the term depends a lot on the character of the individual. For example, would you want to hire a hedonistic person to work for you? On one hand, if he says, while in your employ as a hedonist, I'm going to seek my pleasure. I'll goof off every chance I get because I enjoy it. I'm going to be late if I find more pleasure in sleeping in. I may even steal from you if I see something that might bring me joy in life. You probably wouldn't hire that person. On the other hand, what if someone says, I'm, I'm hedonistic about my work. I find pleasure in hard work and being dependable. I would find great satisfaction in being the best employee you have. I, I, I really, that's my goal in life. Nothing brings me more pleasure than being a good employee. Well, chances are you might hire that person. You might consider that person a good candidate for the job. Both of them are hedonistic in nature. One says, I'm seeking pleasure. The other one says, me too. But one of them seeking pleasure by doing what he wants. The other one says, I find pleasure in doing what you want me to do. I find pleasure in doing what you want me to do. So it has a lot to do with character. A Christian evangelist, for example, might find great pleasure in going to Las Vegas to preach the gospel. That could be a good thing. While that's not the pleasure of most folks who, who visit who visit that city. With that somewhat as a negative backdrop, it might surprise you to know that hedonism can also be a part of the Christian faith. Let me explain. Christian people whose hearts do not find pleasure and are not supremely satisfied in the greatness, beauty, worth, and goodness of God 
dishonor our Lord and thereby by default cannot be good Christians. They may be Christians, but they're not good Christians if they do not find pleasure in God. Therefore, your part in securing the aim of creation, that being the glory of God and the perfecting of his people, depends on where you find your highest degree of pleasure and satisfaction. For example, you know people who have married for money. I married this person because they have money. Others marry for social standing, maybe even for beauty. But good marriages are based on love and the pleasure and satisfaction you get from being near some particular person. And you feel that God has put you with that person and it gives you great pleasure to be with them to the point that you say, I want to spend the rest of my life with this person. Likewise, the father desired a blood-bought, flawless bride for his son. Therefore, essential to the bride's beauty will be her satisfaction in the son, in the bridegroom, and in him alone. Not for his wealth, although he is wealthy. Not for his power, although he's very powerful. Not for his social standing. One day every knee is going to bow, every tongue confess. That's pretty high up the social ladder. Not even for what he's done for us, but just because of who he is. If the bride does not have that, she dishonors the Son of God. The bride says, I want to be with you. I just want to be close to you. I love you, and I enjoy, I find great pleasure and satisfaction and fulfillment just in being in your company. You see, man's prime directive is to glorify God and to enjoy Him, not only now on this earth, but forever. I use the word directive as a singular because they both go together. I I said directive is to glorify and enjoy God. Glorifying God while you enjoy doing it. In other words, man is not merely, not merely to be an instrument of divine glory, but man is also destined to reflect the glory of God in his own life. It is insufficient to speak of man as destined to glorify God without also making explicit at least one way man can glorify God, and that is by delighting in God as the all-glorious creator, the one who is deserving of all glory, praise, and honor. Again, I say, God is glorified in man by man taking pleasure and being satisfied in him. Just as your husband or wife would get satisfaction in knowing that you are taking pleasure and satisfaction in being with them. Not because of their money or their power or their prestige, not for their good looks, but I just enjoy being with you. It doesn't matter to me that you're not rich. It doesn't matter to me that you might not be uh, the, the, the most beautiful thing on earth. That doesn't matter. I just enjoy being with you because I love you. God is glorified in man by man taking pleasure and being satisfied in him. Therefore, it is your God-given and my God-given Bible-mandated duty at every moment of our life to strive to be more satisfied in God. God set up the world this way and has revealed this truth to us through his infallible word, the Bible. 
In Philippians chapter 1, verse number 20, Paul says that his life's passion is to glorify Christ. He puts it like this. He says, according to my earnest expectation and my hope, he goes on to say that Christ shall be magnified, I could use the word glorified, in my body, whether it be by life or by death. He says, my earnest desire, my hope, is that Christ might be glorified in me, whether it be by life or by my death. By my life or by my death, I want to bring glory to the Lord. Then in the sentences that follow that in Philippians 1.20, he explains how he will glorify Christ in dying or in living. With regard to death, Paul says that the reason Christ will be glorified in his dying is because he will experience dying as gain. That's what he says in verse number 21, to die as gain. And the reason he will experience dying as gain is because it will mean to be with Christ, he says in verse 23, which is far better. Paul says the thought of dying brings me pleasure. It is far better. Dying and being with Christ is far better than anything this world has to offer. Paul says, I'm acknowledging that. He'll, he'll basically say the very same thing later in, in the same letter, Philippians 3.8. I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. It's not that Paul has looked at the world and said, man, this is a beautiful world. Possessions are wonderful. Money is wonderful. All this stuff is wonderful, but I'm willing to give it up because I love the Lord. No, that's not what he says. He says, I consider them done. He says, I look at everything this world has to offer, and I just consider it garbage, trash. I'm glad to get rid of it. He says that I might win Christ. Again, that's Philippians 3.8. Paul is saying that in his estimation and experience regarding the worth of Christ, he says, it is so great that I get more joy from being with Christ than from anything the world has to offer. Anything the flesh has to offer, certainly anything the old devil has to offer. This is why Christ is glorified in Paul's experience. He says, if I die. You make someone look great and glorious when you're so satisfied in them and in being in their presence that losing everything in the world in order to be with him is felt by you as gain. That's how you show your spouse your love. You can buy gifts. You can take them out for a nice meal or buy them some nice clothes or whatever you you might want to do. One of the greatest ways is saying, I just enjoy being with you. I don't care we're sitting on the back porch by ourselves or sitting in some resort. It doesn't matter. As long as I'm with you, it doesn't matter. On the other hand, here, we're we're still in our text here in Philippians. Paul says, but if I live, he said, if God chooses to deliver me, he says, I can answer that too. He says, according to my earnest expectation and my hope that Christ shall be magnified, glorified in my body, whether it be by life or death. He said, okay, I've already gone over dying. He said, now let me go over living. Even though in many senses it would be better for me to die, 
if my game were the only one to consider, but I know God has work for me to do, and I need to consider the benefit of others, not just myself. To remain here on earth, Paul says, is more necessary to help the church. So if God keeps me here, I will find great pleasure in bringing God glory by being here, staying here, and serving you. That's what he says. He says, nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And having this confidence, he says, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. That's Philippians 1, 24 through 26. I want you to notice he talks about the joy of faith, abundant rejoicing he talks about in those scriptures. Do you see the goal to which Paul's life and ministry are heading? The goal is glorifying Christ. And how does Paul intend to do that? By helping the church at Philippi experience the joy of faith. He could have just said to help you experience faith, but he said, no, I want you to experience the joy of faith. Why? Because their boast, their exaltation, their glorification of Jesus Christ happens in and through their satisfaction and pleasure or what we might call joy in Christ. He says, I want you to serve Christ. I want you to enjoy doing it. God is glorified. God is glorified when we obey him. That is our charge here. If you're a Christian, God is glorified when we obey him and enjoy doing it. Not out of drudgery. Okay, God, I'm going to obey you. I don't want to do it. I don't think you're worthy of it, but okay, I'll do it. All right, fine. You know, I'll do it. That's not what God wants. God wants you to obey him and enjoy doing it. When we serve him and enjoy doing it, when we worship him and enjoy doing it, therefore, it's our duty at every moment of our life to strive to be more satisfied in God, to understand he's our greatest treasure, greater than anything else in, in creation, and I'm going to enjoy serving him. Yes, I'm doing it because I want to obey him. I want to seek first the kingdom. I'm not seeking my pleasure. I'm seeking to obey him and glorify him. But as I do that, God says, I will find pleasure. Lost people might be seeking pleasure and they might find God through that. Say people do not seek pleasure. I seek the glory of God. I seek, I seek to obey God and to follow him, but therein I still find pleasure. Notice a statement the Lord Jesus made to Matthew 10, 37. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, he said. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. He's not saying you need to hate your parents or, or hate your children. That's not what he's saying. He's acknowledging here that you, your love for me compared to your love for others ought to be so drastic that it looks almost like hate. So ask yourself, what kind of love do good parents have for their children and good children for their parents? Is it not a cherishing love, a treasuring love, an embracing, longing love? Jesus says he must be more loved, more cherished, more treasured than our dearest earthly delight. Jesus also said in Matthew 22, I'm looking now in uh, verse uh, 37, you're very familiar with this text. He says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God 
with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. Grab a hold of that. Love God, he said, with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. That's the way you are supposed to love God. Do you believe that? I hope you do. It's the word of God. If you believe that to be true, and it is, then becoming that kind of person is your greatest duty. What kind of person is that? A person that loves God with your, all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. If, if that scripture is true, then attaining that ought to be the greatest desire that any Christian has. And as he realizes he's beginning to do that, to love God with his heart and soul and mind, he takes great pleasure in that fact. Hedonist, people seeking for real and lasting satisfaction and pleasure. The devil can offer you a thousand ways to try to find it. God offers you one. His name is Christ. For the unsaved, I know you're seeking for pleasure. For there is none that on their own seek after God. The Bible says that. I do hope you will allow the Holy Spirit to convince you that you will find the pleasure you seek in Christ and in Christ alone. But for those of us who are Christians, I don't believe you're to seek for pleasure. You and I are seeking to obey God. We're seeking first the kingdom. Indeed, we seek His pleasure, not ours. But yet a strange thing we find is that in so doing, in seeking the pleasure and glory of God, in doing that very act, we will secure for ourselves the greatest pleasure and satisfaction available to man. For that comes from one person, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, with that, I want to thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast. We always count it a real privilege to be able to come into your home, your automobile, your place of business, whether we're doing this by Facebook or by the podcast, maybe by the radio. However it is getting to you, we are so thankful that it is getting to you. Speaking of the podcast, I want to remind you, whatever medium you use to get your podcast, check out the Pathlight podcast. You'll find this program. You will also find an archive of many of our other programs on that particular site for you to well take a listen to if you'd like to or share with, with someone else. Until next time, this is T.D. Worthington saying, May God richly bless you is my prayer. You walk with Him and bring Him glory this week and in so doing, you will find pleasure in Him.